Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Welcome back, Savvy Souls. Today, I want to talk about something that I've faced personally, and a lot of my clients have faced, and we coach them on it. And that's about getting stuck in our heads about decisions we want to take, or dreams we've had, or some great idea we've got, or something we're inspired about, but yet we're not taking action. We fantasize about getting a new job or starting a delicious hobby or going on an extended trip around the world or creating a new business or meeting new friends or whatever. And yet we spend our time researching options, reading books, watching how-to videos, talking to our friends about the ideas, but yet we fail to take any action. All of this passive activity we're doing, and by what I mean by passive activity is like just consuming information that we get from other people. All of this kind of passive activity, all this organizing of ideas, it feels rewarding and it kind of actually feels like we're doing something, but it doesn't end up satisfying our yearnings because nothing is happening. And eventually that starts to lose its appeal when we're not actually moving forward. So I want to tell you a story about me exploring my new painting style. So what I used to mostly paint, I started off when I started to paint in 2014, I painted pretty much anything. It was ideas that just came to me. But over time, I gradually moved to painting always within circular uh, images. And it was really what I'd call internal landscapes, kind of very meditative, spiritual stuff. And it would have maybe some stuff from the external world in it, but it was really about how it felt inside me. And that was kind of my thing. And then I moved out here to the country and I go on these beautiful walks all the time with my dogs and I'm so connected to nature and I started to want to paint about what was outside of me to represent my responses to nature. It started by painting clouds and moved on more broadly, but it was a very different kind of painting and something I'd never done before. And when I was going to start to do that, I wanted to learn how to do that. What I didn't want to do was I snap photos quickly with my iPhone. And because I take so many of them and because it's so beautiful here, I end up with lots of beautiful images that people ooh and awe over and people find them inspirational. But I didn't want to just paint a photo because a painting's never going to replicate a photo 
in a way that does it justice. I wanted to bring myself into my painting. I wanted whatever I created to be unique and from me. And I didn't really know where to start. I wasn't schooled in that kind of painting. So at first what I did was I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot about how it feels when I look at clouds and how when I look at nature. And I started to look up painters and artists on YouTube. And there's a lot of instruct, instruction out there that's free. So I watched a lot of stuff on YouTube and I bought landscape composition books and I read them. And I basically spent three full months doing this kind of passive consumption of landscape painting information. But eventually at Christmas, I said, okay, I really need to start taking action. And I decided over the holiday season to paint. And it ended up being ideal because we had this huge winter storm here and all the roads were closed. So I was like alone in the house for about eight days. And I started to work on a painting. I thought it would be an easy painting. I'd taken this photo of a cloud that was very unique and I had ideas about how I wanted to do it and it seemed very easy. And so I started to paint and I basically kept adjusting my painting. It kept not looking right. It kept not feeling like what I wanted. And I did that every day for about eight days. And what was really useful is I took photos as I went along. I thought this painting was going to be so easy. It looked so simple watching the artists I'd been following do their paintings. I thought I had a good idea about what I wanted to do. But as I did the painting, it just looked and felt different than what I was wanting. And as I worked on it and made adjustments, different things would come up. And in the end, I ended up producing what I would now call a terrible painting. I ultimately painted over it. But were those eight days wasted? Absolutely not. I took photos of it. I studied it. And I learned a lot of things about how I would approach it differently the next time. So actually trying that painting was a very, very different experience from just consuming all this information about how to paint and watching other people do it and even writing about my feelings about it. Trying to express it was a totally different experience. I learned that by painting, that was how I could learn to do it myself. That was how I could really explore me at a different level, explore me in the scenery at a different level. I needed to actually paint to learn from the experience of it. I needed to learn by trial and error. I needed to learn what felt good to me and what worked for me and what didn't. I'm still learning, but I'm now at the place where I've painted so much that I love lots of the work that I'm putting out. And I'm starting to share some of that work out there in the public, in shows and on Instagram. 
my work at the end of all of this process is very unique. I don't know anybody who paints clouds, for example, the way that I do. It's, it's very different and an expression that comes totally from me. But I couldn't be at the stage now if I just kept consuming, just watching what other people are doing and didn't take action, didn't start actually painting. I needed to learn from actually painting. So today, Savvy Souls, I want to focus you on why taking action is so important. In a separate episode sometime later on, I'll talk about how to motivate yourself to take action when you haven't been doing that. But I believe that understanding why taking action is important will help you with the motivation piece. So first of all, think about why you want to do something new. It usually comes down to this when there's something that you're just yearning to do. You want to be valued, be recognized, to be challenged, to be interested. You want to contribute something of yourself and have someone else experience that. You want to create something new and have whatever you've created be heard or seen or understood. You want to make an impact in the world and see the results of your efforts. In other words, you want to be in conversation with the world or at least with one other person. When you stay in the idea stage, the research stage, the dreaming stage, the only conversation you're having is with yourself. You're not allowing anyone else to participate. This conversation can be good for a while, this conversation of one, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it won't feel fulfilling. We yearn to contribute to express ourselves, to have an impact. And that yearning can't be satisfied by a conversation of one, a conversation with just yourself. To be in conversation, you need to take action. Okay, secondly, Savvy Souls, it's impossible to learn as much by just thinking about something, planning something, researching something, talking about it, actually doing something feels totally different. I noticed this at the Christmas painting eight days that I talked about earlier. And I really noticed this also in a landscape painting course that I've been taking this year. Our instructor is teaching us all kinds of strategies and theories about color and light and composition. And what he does is each week, he gives us examples, exercises that are images or paintings that he wants us to paint. And what we do is we follow the exercise, we try out the specific things, and we paint the same image. All of us paint the same image. And yet we then post them. And when we see the paintings, it's amazing how even learning the same things, emphasizing the same things, starting with the same reference photos, each painting is totally different. 
each painting is an expression of who we are. In some way, we creep into the painting. We can't help it. When we're being passive, when we're just watching, we're not bringing ourselves into it. It's only in our actions, savvy souls, that we come into it. It's only in our actions, savvy souls, that we can make it our own. This makes sense. When we're consuming or watching, we're just seeing how someone else is doing it. We're seeing how an idea works for them. We're not seeing how it will work for us. I've seen this also in the coaching world. Originally, when I took one of my coach trainings in that particular coaching school, all the coaching schools are different. She taught us something called the model, which was a framework she said we could use in all our coaching sessions. It was really just a framework. It's not that different from tools that are taught in other coaching schools, but it was basically a framework of talking to people about what they were thinking and then letting them see the impact of the way they were thinking. It was basically about how to help people with their mindsets. And even though it was a straightforward and simple model, what I saw, there's several thousand coaches that have gone through that school, is ultimately in the practice of just starting with that one way of coaching, it branched off and developed into a thousand different ways of coaching. The people I know and have followed who came from that same school, we've all made it our own. We've brought in different elements, other things we've learned, our personal experiences, what we learned from working with our clients. And probably our styles are so different, it's hard to see that they even had a similar route. What we've done in our coaching is we've each made the coaching experience with us a unique experience that is our own style. I've also seen this in the business world. Everyone at the end of the day in the entrepreneurial world finds their own rhythm, their own way of working, of scheduling or not scheduling, of organizing their time, ways of selling their work, presenting their work into the world and convincing or encouraging people to buy it different ways of communicating their ideas to the public. No matter what course we might take, what ideas we're exposed to, what methodologies we're taught, we make them our own. I've taken some very specific business courses, entrepreneurial courses. No, it's interesting. We might all be taught the same thing, but when we go out in the world, we make adjustments. We start doing it our way. And pretty soon it looks very different one person from the next. You need to take action savvy souls to find yourself in the thing that you're doing to find out what works best for you. Okay. My third point actually doing it, selling or job searching or building rocket ships or creating a community event, actually doing it will rewire your brain. Your brain will literally change as you do something new. As you do something new, you develop new neural pathways. 
you're going through new sequences and processes and your brain is learning as you go. Things become easier as you practice them. So you can relate to this by thinking about what it was like when you first learned to drive. It was so hard at first. You didn't even want to have a conversation with somebody else. It took all of your attention to figure out where your car was in the road, to try to navigate through other traffic, to anticipate what other people would be doing. And then eventually driving became so easy, it became automatic for you. You don't even have to think about this. I actually personally remember this all really well because I learned to drive when I was 16, drove until I was 20, and then for a whole bunch of reasons, did not drive again until I was 52. And so I remember how terrifying it was at first just driving my car that I just bought through the narrow streets and High Park and the West End of Toronto. And it was just so terrifying. And now I'm whizzing along on the major highways and I drive miles living in the country. And I find it really enjoyable and easy because my brain has been rewired. It was so hard at the beginning and now it's so easy because I have new neural pathways in my brain. So Savvy Souls, when we practice something new, at first it feels challenging. There's so much to think about and to focus on all at once. But soon, the new thing becomes part of our rhythm. It becomes easier to solve uh, problems as they arise. We develop some mastery with it. We find the methods and ways that work for us. We start to notice that what was originally hard has become easier. Aspects of what we're doing become natural and automatic. They're just the way our brains work now. In other words, taking action helps us build a new brain that makes it easier to keep doing it. Action helps us take more action. Okay, my final point is Taking action allows you to get feedback. I've talked about brainstorming before. We can't brainstorm as effectively just with ourselves. Actually, we can brainstorm with ourselves a bit. And I've talked about like watching YouTube and get reading books or listening to what other people say and kind of brainstorming with ourselves. But it's also a very different experience brainstorming with actual live people. When we start taking action and we start having conversations with other people and people see our work, we get feedback and we respond to that feedback. It becomes a conversation I was talking about, but the feedback part of it is important. Again, I've seen this in the painting course I'm taking. It's very different when we post our work every week and there's criteria about how it can be judged, uh, not judged in a negative way, but just the instructor sets out certain criteria and we write to each other about what we notice. And I find it really fascinating to get critiques of my paintings, for example, because they're things I don't notice 
that other people notice and they can let me know about that. Or maybe the painting feels one way to me, but completely different to somebody else. I can't know any of that without the feedback, but that's not true just for artists. It's true for all of us. We can't know what it will be like giving a speech unless we're actually on the stage and see how it lands. Sometimes we can say something pretty innocuous or ordinary, and that will have a huge impact. And something that we think was really momentous and life-changing just doesn't get a reaction at all. We need that response from other people to really expand and grow. I know that back when I was a lawyer, I always had my best ideas when we would get new legislation and try to analyze it on our own, and then we would all meet and share our ideas. And definitely my best ideas came from being triggered by what other people said in our brainstorming sessions. And then all of a sudden, these new ideas that were my own would flow into it. But I needed that feedback to really be my best. So to summarize, here's why you might consider Savvy Souls moving from the ideas stage to taking action. First, action is necessary to have an impact, to be in conversation with more than just yourself. Secondly, action is the only way to make something your own, to find your own way of doing it, your own form of self-expression. Thirdly, Action will rewire your brain and make it easier for you to take more action. And finally, action is one way you can get feedback and expand through that feedback what you're capable of accomplishing. So Savvy Souls, if you've been sitting on an idea, if you've been planning and thinking and researching and talking to friends about it, but not actually doing it, I want you to think about what I've said here and how it applies to you. I want you to imagine actually getting out there and having an impact. I want you to imagine the process of trial and error and the surprises in store for you as you make something your own. I want you to imagine you with a new brain that finds it easy to present an idea to a conference attended by leaders in your field, run a marathon, create a pottery retreat in France or whatever it is you want to do. I want you to imagine you getting feedback, brainstorming, and making your idea grow and expand. If there's an idea that keeps circling in your head, that keeps showing up in the quiet moments, keeps urging you to think about it, consider this episode to be a sign that it's time for you to take action. It's time for you to make what you've been thinking about real. It's time to get going. Hope you have a beautiful and active week, Savvy Souls. See you next time. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, 
It's finally your time to do what you want.